You're listening to the Property Nomads podcast, your one-stop shop for property, business, and travel-related content, tying it all together to help guide you towards success. If you like the podcast, please share with others, subscribe, and leave us a review. So get your gear together and let's get going. Welcome to another episode of the Property Nomads podcast. Delighted to be joined today by Jay Gillen, a serial entrepreneur, work for the Prince's Trust, as well amongst a plethora of other things, host of the Business Mentor podcast, and the Business Mentor Academy as well. Jay, thanks for your time. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you for, for coming down to our studio and doing this interview. It's great, great to catch up with you. I'll start with the hot topic, I suppose, at the moment, which is coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, up and down and around the world. But rather than just focusing on the virus itself, it's obviously had a lot of implications worldwide, yeah. market-wise, which can affect property. And yeah, stuff. Yeah. So what have you found from COVID-19 so far and from your business experience? How do you think this sort of downtrend compares with other recessions that you've experienced? Yeah, so the signs are there. I mean, I was looking at the market today as... It opened up just over 6,000 points. So if people or listeners don't know much about the stock market, you know, we were at 7,700 points only probably six to nine months ago. And I invest in funds, but it's through a fund manager. So that is showing signs of a potential, you know, uh, well, there's a big crash, but potential. So it's bubbling in that area. Now Italy shut down their obviously economy, type 16 million people, quarter of the economy. Maybe half of sure people live there, but the signs are there. The signs are definitely there, like potentially, and it's all potential. But I don't think for the last, well, I went through the last recession, I can talk about that, but I would say for the last 10, 12 years, um, I don't think there's been something as big as this that could impact the economy. Totally agree. And it's almost come out of the blue, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's completely random how it's, it's happened. There's always a good conspiracy theory out plenty of it, yeah. <laughs> it's more the market, it's more the market trend, and as you said, a lot of it is, we can talk hypothetically about this all day long, but yeah. from the way that people have reacted so far, and the market's reacted, yeah. and having gone through previous recessions, what are you finding that's very similar in the way that people are reacting so far? De- definitely the panic stuff, you know, panic, um, uh, speculation, not knowing, different kind of doctors saying one thing, uh, politics saying another thing. I think the confusion is, is kind of um, similar signs. Obviously, the market dipping uh, is similar. So the trends are there, you know. Um, and I think when the, I think the way the last recession went for me, and obviously I was taken off guard. I've talked a lot about how to deal with that through my podcast. But I would say, you know, preparation is so important now. I've just shared a post on LinkedIn which um, I just put a post out, I didn't expect it to get much reach, which is about um, what to do, you know, stuff like making sure you've got the right insurance to cover your businesses, making sure remote working, because there's a lot of speculation on on the internet, people are posting so much stuff like, oh, it's a hoax, or, you know, don't trust the media, people are twisting. The problem you've got is this. Now, the economy can, can go to recession, even if the actual thing isn't true, if that makes sense. So if you ignore that bit, then you're vulnerable. So if you're not prepared, you're vulnerable. I think every business should always prepare. Mm-hmm. And I think don't look at it as oh, if it's something playing in the hands of the, you know, of the politicians. Think of if tomorrow your supply chain shut down, what would you, could you survive? Because potentially, like for example, 
the airline industry, flying especially flying. There's a friend of mine just just not so far. We interviewed him, um, and he's in the travel. Um, he does tours and stuff. You know, these these industries will be impacted. Like supply is a great example. Yeah, again, they can come out of nowhere. Obviously, we probably don't know what's going on behind the scenes after five, yeah. but it's seen that again, get this mass panic, this mass fear, and then let's be travel, and then out of nowhere, fly bit is saying, well, I mean, they've had problems before, right? Yeah. But out of nowhere, it's all we're shut down. It's just tipped them over the edge, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, these things do. I see you've got uh, three three P's of being organised, plan, yeah. prioritise, and yeah. prepare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see you've taken them from previous. Yeah, I mean, look, the recession. You know, one of the key things, and that's why I, I mentor and I have, I've had mentors, is because in the prior recession, that was one thing that caught me off guard. Off guard because obviously, we did really well very quickly, multiplying my turn of business. And one thing I didn't know, I didn't know a recession was going to come. So, just like probably someone who's, I think I was 10 last time, yeah, the last recession, but let's say you were 10, 9, 8, or whatever, this recession, or potential recession, if you say, but potential crash or economic disruption is going to be new to you. Mm. So I learned from there, plan, prepare, get ready for anything that may potentially happen. And your top tips on that are get the insurance in place, make sure we sort out your... Yeah, you, your insurance, make sure you inform your staff if you've got staff, make sure remote working because obviously Italy is locked down now. Now if you imagine you're in Italy and you're not prepared and you've got a business of services plans outside Italy, and you've not set up remote working, shared drives and logins and stuff, your business is closed. And what's going to happen is a competitor who's already planned and prepared and prioritised, they're going to get the market share. So if you're prepared really well, you could take advantage of someone's poor, poor planning, basically. I think for people that might not have experienced anything like this before, and again, you know, we're hoping that we live, we learn, we implement and so forth. Mm-hmm. But for people that are affected by this yeah. and the bad thing happens, that it's a market cycle, it will happen again at some point, but you yes. learn lessons and sometimes those lessons are just very, very hard, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy because we, we had 300 contracts on our books in the last recession. Now, obviously, we could not get them out working. You know, I felt the responsibility because obviously I knew these guys. Um, and... It was a harsh lesson and you know some decisions had to be made i had to let some people go that was just a part of restructuring but i think now the business i work in our business we're we're lean and mean um so we can probably adapt and i always say you should always have a backward front now because we did well in the last recession we did well before the last recession we had a cash pot so we were at, with the mental advice, we were able to adapt to, um, you know, ride it out a bit longer because you're going to need that period of maybe one, two, three months of protecting or maybe, you know, paying someone's wages while things are moving, do you know what I mean? So I think fairly to plan, you know, plan to fail, so it's a key thing. Um, so I will start planning now. In fact, that post went out a few weeks ago. And the fact it was picked up and shared over 10,000 times, well, seen over 10,000 times, means that people have taken advice and the links on the government website are all there. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, and, you know, you don't want to be like people think, oh, this is like fear mongering. And I would always say, you know, we talk about in a big corporates, disaster recovery plans, and when you work for corporates, and I did many, many years ago for a few years. And you always think, oh, what's this one about? But they're the smart ones because they know 
uh, during disaster, what's the recovery plan? Whereas SMEs or small independents or even small landlords, we don't think that far ahead. We think we're invincible, but we're not, you know, we're not. So I would always say, you know, plan the way these big companies work because they'll work in the same way um, and it'll help you in a tough time. And they're obviously very successful for a reason, that's why they're big companies. Yeah, 100%. They follow a process and systems. I'm doing a talk tomorrow at um, the, the networking event in Derby. They're doing talks because we podcast a lot, so time takes traveling and stuff. But a lot of the things I'm talking about is processes and about creating a business, making sure your company or yourself, even if you're on your own, if you've got two or three staff or whatever, you treat it as a business. Because that will give you the mindset to build it. Exactly what I did, which enabled me to build and sell it. Because the first question I got asked when we were sitting down, part of the, the sales process was, right, Jay, does this business form without you? And I said it does. And thank you, it was because we systemized it all. And I thought at that time, well, actually, well, that can't against me. But actually, when I spoke back to the buyers after, they said, well, if you'd answered the question the wrong way, if you'd said, oh, actually, no, no, I own this business, it's all me. They said we will step away because we're not we're looking to buy the business, not the business owner. So that's quite one thing maybe listeners can pick up on as they build their businesses. Yeah, 100% is uh, all important information. Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. But I shout out. Back to the start, brief, you said you became quite successful quite quickly. How did you end up in the world of entrepreneurship investment? Let's have a brief time. Yeah, so it was interesting because what I did, I was always into selling things. So I was, um, when I was very young. Uh, my parents came from India, so we really had a really good upbringing as a tiny little community, but we didn't have that much wealth. And we were like, we didn't get pocket money, so I'd do paper rounds, and then I started selling car stereos. So I'd buy these car stereos cheap and sell them into garages, like these uh, mechanics, and they're paying, and I think, well, that's a great thing. Um, but I still, you know, going back 20, well, probably 23 years now, uh, the traditional route was university. You know, entrepreneurship is nowhere as big as it is now. It was, it, you know, you have podcasts, you have videos, so not many people knew about business. So I did the university route, and funny thing was, I was very good at selling myself and coming across really well. So when I graduated, um, and uh, you know, started getting jobs, so I started getting jobs at those places. I was very good at getting jobs, but I wasn't very good at staying in jobs. So, so I'd get to a job, we do a really good interview, you know, uh, I wouldn't say black, but you know, and but then six months later, I'd be asked to move on, I just didn't like it. And then I watched the way the recruiters worked. I loved the way they worked, you know, meet in a hotel, you know, like an interview hotel, they, they meet with me, and I thought, you know, I quite like what they do. So I've got a little bit of experience in one, and then I went out and, and I looked at where I could be better in that model. And that's where the journey started. I started my recruitment agency in St. Bernard Trent. And, you know, there's a lot that goes behind setting the business. But, you know, my vision at the start was to build it and build it big, multi-location. Um, and that was when I first started, basically. It was 2005, it was now. Fast forward 15 years. Yeah. So we're talking about podcasts, about yeah. ship academies and... Obviously, the business mentor podcast, you've got yeah. a lot of mentors above you, teaching people. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, how have you found what well, Alan Prince's trust as well? So, how have, you, how have you found that experience and how rewarding is that to be able to pass that information and also take the information off from other people? Yeah, see, I, I've got, I mean, there's a lot of mentors and coaches out at the moment, 
and there was a lot of talk, positive or negative. The way I did it was I ultimately wanted to fulfill my vision to run a business and to sell the business. And I always say, I know people say you can make money very quickly, and I know you can, but you actually have a 30 day challenge which would prove that. But I would say my 10 years of learning my craft, of from 2005 to 15, a 10 year span, enabled me to gain the knowledge that I could share. Now, once I sold the business and exited, um, I got offered coaching roles and people wanted me to be associated because there's not that many people have actually done the whole process. Does that make sense? And it's people that have on the journey. Um, when I sold the business, because my mentor helped me very early on through the recession we talked about, I always thought I, I'd love to give back in some way. So when the business was sold, the, I, was, I was featuring an article because they looked at Jay's story from where I came to building the center and launching the turn of a business. That's when the Prince's Trust approached me. So it's funny how things meet together. Um, one of the things is they said to me, Jay, we want mentors who are quite young. Now I'm 41, but I, st I still look quite young, right? 21, yeah. <laughs> so at the time, seven years ago, probably a lot, lot younger. So they said, came with a few talks, did a few talks, and Prince of Trust is 19 to 31, mainly around 19, 20, 21 year olds. Very raw entrepreneurs. I've got no experience. So I said to myself, right, if I want to mentor, right, this is my challenge. If I want to go into mentor the people, I'll, right, let's learn the roots. Let's learn how to do it. Prince of Trust has been going for 40 years. So they know a bit about mentoring. So that's what got me into mentoring, because it was a charity at the time, and then I just shared my raw skills, and it took off really well. I mean, the mentees did really well, and I was surprised a bit about how well I came across to them, in a way that we connected, my story was connected, humble story, so they liked the connection, but more importantly, the tips I gave them about business systems, and um, yeah, and it grew really fast. And I really enjoyed it. And you say about you know for film, film was great. And then, I mean, when you have someone, one of my mentees is Warner Luca, who's done the Ellen Show around the world, and you know puts his success to the mentoring we did. And I've done that to my own mentor. Great, it feels great. Every time I get a message on the podcast now, uh, my mentees, I feel really, really honoured that my advice is helping them. But you know, I just think that you know a lot of people say to me still, you know. Jay, you just get it. You just get it. Like, you'll like, like, ask me a question and I'll just spin it off and I'll always relate it to an example. Mm. But by the way, this, you wanted this staff member on? Well, let me tell you what happened to me. And this is what you should do. So I'm always trying to give a real example. And that's where the difference between mentoring and coaching is. Now, coaching is a great profession and people do a really good job. But I think mentoring is where my mentors, they can go into an example. And when you say the example, the person you're talking to, Kind of feels it. That makes sense. And yeah, absolutely. I've always found that mentoring, to, to me, mentoring feels very much more one-on-one. -on -one. Coaching can be one-on-one, -on -one, but it seems like more group-based. But as you just said, I hadn't thought about that. Except that actually going into an example, I'm yeah, of, yeah, tons, tons of examples of stuff I've given to people when they said about what about buying this property or this and so on. Yeah, actually, when I've done the first one, this is like the catalogue of everything. Exactly, exactly. And it's storytelling, right? It's a storytelling from experience. Mm -hmm. And that's what connects people, storytelling. And that's why, you know, my brand has risen the way it has, because of the story. Because I think nowadays, people, so much information out there, if you can be authentic in what you've actually created and done, 
I think people are attracted to you organically and they want to know a bit more about you because ultimately they want to follow a similar path. Mm-hmm. Textbooks are great, but you know, if you listen to someone's story and I listen to major stories, that's what connects you to them. There's also no substitute for actually doing it. 100%. 100%. Do it is the most important thing. That's why I, you know, courses, training manuals, people spend this course junkies out there, and people are constantly selling you this idea. Uh, but the action takers are the ones that actually really, really accelerate the growth. Uh, and then get the advice with it, powerful. You get someone who's been there and done it, and you can ask them the right question at the right time, just accelerate you further. What would you say you found the most difficult challenge being setting up your own mental academy? Yeah, um, so my academy actually hasn't really been that difficult. So the reason I'm saying it is because we, we're, not, we're not creating a massive training company here. So what we're doing initially is just working on with a select group of people probably 12 to 15 a year that I can handle myself. And I have a process where they kind of tend to apply through my podcast. Um, I think the most difficult thing is probably turning people down. So for example, we did a, we have a, a, an open like group on our venturing certain times of the year and uh, new businesses that start off, I tend to turn them away in a sense that I want them to do something first. So, for example, you know, I mean, this is my podcast episodes. So have the action? Have they got to a level now where they want to grow the business? Um, now, I do take on some startups. That's cool, but generally, if I feel that because there is an investment into some mentoring, um, if if I feel they're not there yet, then it's better for them to just try and work their way up a little bit to go further. Up. Does that make sense? Um, other than that, you know, we don't really. You know, we don't market if that makes sense. People come to us. Um, but yeah, I mean, the challenge is always, my, my biggest challenge is to make sure that my mentees have fulfillment at the end. So we work, I go over and above what I'm required to do. So I'm always about on phone, you know, text, email. Um, try and make them, try and make them sound part of their journey, not just one number to many. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I found the same from the very select training, one-on-one, yeah. as well. It's, Turn people away it could be quite. I don't say quite an awful thing to do because ultimately it's trying to it's trying to benefit them. You don't think that they're going to get as much benefit from starting now. You say, "So I'll go back and do X, Y, Z, then come back to me." Um, he says, "You want it to." And also, you've got a podcast. I've got a podcast. I've got nearly hundred episodes now, so there's enough information for them to absorb to get their start. I had a message the other day. Well, I get messages quite often, but the other day I got a message. By one person a day, email me say, I've taken action on your one of your the business challenge and created a business based on that, and now it's working. So even without even me mentoring them, they're going to take an episode and now they've got a running business. And he said, Would you be your mentor? I said, That's a great reach out. Let's have a discussion now. Yeah. Because I know you've done it and you're making something come and then we can go further. It's all about adding adding value. Adding value, adding value, adding value. Yeah, 100%. Talk about 100 episodes. Now, at the time of recording, yeah, we're on 99. We're on 99, so we, we, we've um, we just launched a very special few episodes. One with my daughters, just on YouTube, doing really well with the views on there. 
Uh, yeah, sorry, what was the question? So, talk on a bit, obviously. Well, I was going to say, here we go, mate, because this is going out, assuming that, again, odd time of recording, this is, this probably not apparently. Yeah. The yeah. podcast episode is going out just after your 100th episode. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a great achievement, so well done. And how have you found getting to episode Yeah, one? I mean, I, so for the 100th episode, um, it's been, it's been great. You know, if you look up just behind you, there's some, some, some images of some of the guests we've had on, and we've had some real, real big guests. And I've really enjoyed it. I mean, look, you know, with me, I'm, I've always been into, I'm a business guy. So we've basically made sure that even though the podcast is, you know, uh, an audio version, we've built a business around the academy has been built around it. So we've always, I've always had an end in mind to sustain the podcast through, we've now got sponsorship deals. We've now got academy, uh, we're building further and further into this area. So the studio here is a set of use of recording podcasts. And I've really enjoyed it. I mean, there's always been challenges, you know, you've probably gone through where the audio's not working or now it's cameras, or three cameras set up here, video editing, which now we're pushing onto YouTube. So it's been great. But I mean, the great thing for me is looking back, and you all know this, you know, how long has your podcast been going now? Time recording, man. We're coming up to, I think we're like 92, 93 at the time recording, so we're close to 100. Wow, so you, you've done the journey. So when you go back and listen to maybe a few episodes back in the day, how great that content is now. Mm-hmm. It's even better than it was when we recorded it, right? Yeah. So when we're looking back at this and we're in 250 episodes and we're doing other stuff, it's like we sat down and had this conversation. So for me, more important than anything is building legacy as well, and uh, it's allowing me to have great relationships. I think that's an interesting thing about podcasts. I've heard you speak about this very subject before. Yes. For people that are looking to get into running their own podcasts, is, as you quite correctly said, treat it as a business. Yeah. If you're going to treat it as a hobby, you'll get hobby results. So treat it as a business and have that end in mind. Why are you doing it? And that will keep the drive going. And yeah, I feel, and I, I, I study, I, everything I do, I study. I'm reading about it, I'm reading about it. And I've noticed there's a lot of people who start podcasts who don't fulfill it. And I, and I think that's one of the reasons why they've not really looked at it as a business and mm. more of a hobby. Now, great, hobby's great, but if you can't, or if you, I, I feel anything, and I was talking to Grant Corrin about this when we at Castle together, you're either going up or you're going down. There's no middle ground. So I think for a podcast, you've got to be able to reinvest. So whether it's through your, you know, when you do coaching for people, whether you do your advertising or your book sales, then what you're doing then is creating revenue so you can pump back in so you've been able to come here today, take time out of your day because obviously your investments are paying for you to be here. So what I'm saying to you is a lot of people don't look at it that way. They don't realise how much it will cost because there is a cost of podcasting. Mm-hmm. However, you know, if you do it the right way, you can actually make profit, not profit, but you can build it through other income streams. Um, and we've had some sponsors reach out to us this year. Great thing, you know, we've got to reach out to them. And we will be going for more sponsors. But funny you should mention, I don't know when this is going out, but we've, I get asked probably three times a week, Jay, can you help me start a podcast? Can you tell me everything about it? And uh, we are running a 100th anniversary workshop here in Derby. And only for 10, 12 people. I think we're more going to fill out soon. But I've started now opening up the teachings that I've learned for people who want to treat it a bit like a business. Now the difference that I want to do is I want to teach them to be sustainable of doing a podcast. So yeah, and I think I've learned so much along the way. 
with audio, with video recording, all that kind of stuff. But this level is high level. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the next level. We don't need to be there. But I've tested so much. I've just given in now because people just ask me so much time. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do it just for the 100th anniversary. Not planning on doing any more. But I thought it'd be good to just document how to get people like Ron Cardone on, how to get people like Patrick Lynn, how I've done that. And I started with a handheld recorder. You know, there's someone never right when I did it in his house. But I built it slowly, sustainably, with the vision in mind of creating something bigger. And it's a connection as well. So yeah. I remember uh, you've had Johnny Dumas on your podcast. Yeah. And I've had, you know, we've had Johnny Dumas as well. But that only came back because I specifically asked you yeah. after the talk. So yeah. it's working on the connections, working on those relationships as well. You just don't know what's going to happen. And it's positioning. You know, I, you know, when I was in my agency years ago, I learned about positioning. You know, we disrupted a market in. Um, in, in the area which has some big boys but we disrupted it through branding through calling the name and I've always used the same method and you know we there's no surprise to me that we've got these guests on we're not even chasing a lot of these guests I mean if I had someone chasing them, we get more we haven't the time to interview more so James Khan's going to come on we've got the guy from Grenade uh, Alan coming on very soon um, so if you position the right way I mean there's people that I speak to that are podcasting at the moment Probably going to be a topic here, but they're reaching the wrong person. So if you've got an ex-podcast, but you, you, you're trying to reach someone who's out in your area, but you just want them because you like them, the, the communicate, the synergy is not right. Mm -hmm. So that's why I start with the end in mind. What do you want to do? I was, I, I've got a map of how I wanted this to look, and it's come day today true. I always start, start slowly, build the academy, build the sponsorship, build the studio, build the team. I've documented all the way, and it's all come true because I had a bit of a vision. And that's really important. So if you are going to do podcasting, great medium, just probably get around the right people that have done it, and then also just plan it as a business, because it, it's more fun when you can grow it, right? How exciting is it, you know? Um, so, you know, we're sitting here together, we started probably similar times, but we've both done nearly 100 episodes. What a great level of content without having to film everything, do you know what I mean? So it's good. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a look at the camera that I shouldn't do. Yeah. So, yeah, even for myself, I'm not much of a video person. Yeah. Um, so even though being here, this you know, wonderful setup's a bit, I say daunting for me, so it's absolutely fine. Just haven't got to that level yet. That's a personal choice. But, but, but that's the beauty of podcasting. You don't need to go from the camera. Mm -hmm. Now the reason we're doing it is because we're looking at a new target market of YouTube. But my podcast audience, will be my podcast audience, yeah. they're not necessarily going to go over to YouTube because they love the audio, you know, on the way to work. Do you know what I mean? So. Um, even the cameras here, we're just now just multi-purposing our content because we're doing facts on YouTube. So that's a prime example why podcasts are I started podcasting because I didn't want to set up and I didn't want the hassle of all this. Very early on, you just want to get the content going after the six episodes. And that's why I think if you I personally think myself, if you're gonna start some kind of content and you want to do it in your own time, you want to do it at night, you're in your pajamas or whatever and you don't want to have to sit in front of a camera you know what I mean then podcasting great get it off your chest whereas I think going live and doing Facebook and videos as much as people say keep doing it keep doing it keep doing it there is a level of skill that you kind of want to build bit of a, I'd say a bit of a um, you know a bit of confidence around it mm -hmm. but podcasting is a great way to start because you just record and you build your confidence around it yeah, absolutely. I, I was saying to um, a few people recently, I feel I feel very strange in front of a microphone because I feel 
very much at home yeah. in front of that. It's like, it's, I don't know, it's almost like that microphone's not going to judge me. So I can say what I want into that microphone. Yes. And then kind of just ignore everything else. So, but again, that's how you build confidence, right? Of course. By doing it and getting the feedback. Um, yeah, I get that. That's all good. Before we wrap up, we sort of yeah. bring this whole podcast. Yes. We, we kind of tangent. That's the good, absolutely brilliant. That's the best thing about podcasting. You can just talk. Yeah. No one's going to judge you watching live. Just go on. Probably edit it, but that's all good. Let's go So we'll net back into um, sort of where we are at the moment. And yeah. then your top tips to take away treat anything like a business. Yeah. Even podcasting, treat it like a business. Plan, prioritise, yeah. prepare, and then that will see you through, of course, the good times, yeah. but also when things economically, whether you want to believe it or yeah. not, as well, those three things will see you through your site. 100%. Let me drop something on that because when I interviewed Grant Connor, I got some real good nuggets. And here's the thing um, he said something which kind of changed a lot of thinking. I asked him about the recession. This is pure, this is before coronavirus and what's happening at the moment. And he said, what you've got to do is, and this is like, like oh, is, is you need to look at yourself, look at your financial situation. Have you been going up or have you been going down? So if you've been going down, like, you know, if you're not earning more about one, two, three, whatever percent, then, and you've not been doing that for a while, then actually you're in a recession anyway. And that got me thinking, thinking, we are all looking at this outer world. Now, this is prior to the coronavirus, which obviously recession, what it does, it gives you a, a bigger impact. Mm-hmm. So for example, what I'm trying to say is, prior to all this, you should analyze, you know, every year, in fact, every week, I look at my financials, every week. What am I going high with now? What am I doing with financial? Where's the money? Where can I put it? And then every year, I analyze everything again. So what I would say is, there's a lot of talk about coronavirus and will it or whatever, what you want to do is once we get over this thing is always have a plan to be looking at are you going up? Not the world economy, but have you been going up? Because some people will boom, like if you're selling um, hand sanitizers or toilet roll, you're booming. You know, you, you, you can't get anywhere. So the winners and losers everywhere. But look at your individual circumstances is are you going up or are you going down? Because the recession is like two or three months of going down or years or whatever. So you'll know where you are. Well, and always look after yourself as well, because not everyone's going to look after you, so you always have to look after number one folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any other words of wisdom, any nuggets of information? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, we've covered a lot, from coronavirus to podcasting. Um, I just think, you know, have, have, have believe in yourself. You know, have believe that you can do it. And be patient. Be patient. I think there's a lot of quick wins out there. You know, I was always told very early on by one of my mentors, is if you're consistent over a level of time, you're more likely to succeed. But if you're looking for the quick wins, then it's, it's a problem because what you're doing, you'll stop starting economy. So you stop, you start, you stop, you start, you move. And if you don't say persistent on one course, you're never going to be good at what you're doing. So, for example, when we started recruitment, you know, I wasn't the best in the area, but I'll be totally honest with you, what really helped me looking back now was there was no social media as it is now. There was no email marketing as much as it is now. I'm talking 2004-05. So that's it, there was no distraction. So my one course was doing well in that industry. And I just, I built my bridges. I couldn't go back because I left everything behind. I invested everything in this. And I look back at that and look compared today when there's loads and loads of opportunities, which is good in one hand, 
but it's very distracting now. So follow the wrong course, give it enough time. Now that, I'm going to confuse that by if it's not working, you don't change, because you should change, but give it enough time to mature, to materialize, and just pivot. You know, if you're doing property, you know, buy a still very good. I spoke to you didn't tell me we still do buy clets. Yeah. They work really well. Well, we touched on that. I was talking about how over time, this is over long term planning comes in over time, over time, over time, because yeah. inflation, the way the economy works, etc. etc. Et yeah, 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 yeah. You're saying that you can buy an X, Y, Z, and now it's worth you know, A, B, and C. And yeah. It's just a result of the time in the economy doing its thing. Exactly. I mean, the market, I mean, we started investing, or we, we started. People get into property first, which is great. I got into after business. When we, the business properties I was buying, predominantly buy to lets. We move to HMOs, we look at commercial conversions now. But generally speaking, my growth comes from buy to lets. So I always look at, is it cash flow? And now the bank stress test, back in this, didn't stress test that much. Mm. But over the course of time, if you build enough buy to lets, the cash flow gets pretty good. Mm. But what you don't see is the hidden um, and you should, you know, people say you shouldn't look at the growth, but you know, we were buying properties around about 60,000, 65. This is 2013, 12, 13, obviously, more than 09, 10, I've been you know. And I'll just give you an example of an HMO we bought. I do have talks, but we bought it in 2013. I can remember this day, it was, it was, it wouldn't sell, and I could see the potential because the loft. People in the loft could make a room, and um, I saw it and spent your plan. He said, Well, that, that's an existing staircase. And we bought 68, we spent 18 or 20, about 21 on it. So, with 18 grand HMO, it's now valued at 188, and we've made 72 grand on rent roll. So, if you think about it, what capital growth is going to be, but the rent's cash flows. Similar things buying back to that 60,000, 65,000. Always look at the cash flow, always focused on that, and now we've gone up to, we've got up to 100, 120. But again, you know, there's some problems that haven't gone up, like I mentioned before, about some yeah. not so good areas where it looks cheap. But So I think, you know, if you've got a long term strategy, I think property will always win. I mean, I don't do anything like service accommodation, um, rent to rent, I know they work really well for people, but I just stick to buy to let, we've done some HMOs and now commercial. So that's my strategy. And by the way, everything works for different, you know, different people. I know people are just kidding when they're saying rent to rent. But for me, I'm trying to look long term capital growth because we make money in the business. So if I had no money, then we start on creative <laughs> strategies, as they call it now. Good time. Um, the key point from that is yeah. start with the end in mind. No, yeah. you've got to, there is that element of you have to be thinking long term 10, 20, 30, 40 years because that's. Start at the end of mind, you'll then have a, a better path or a yeah. clearer path in which to follow. Yeah. Obviously, that's gonna go I, I, and then break it down. So yeah. people say, okay, got my vision, so excited about it, but you've got to break it down. So what you what are you going what are you going to do today that's going to get you? So if you want to invest in property, I, I link to property because you're podcast properties. But if you want to now buy houses, what are you going to do? You, you're going to bring up the agents today. You're going to Zoopla and do a search and contact the agents. Are you going to add and analyze and read your book and your books like that? What are you going to do today? And that's the key thing people miss out. They spend too much time in the vision, but they don't get on the ground and actually put the practical work in. Because that's the only way you get to your vision. Now, by the way, your vision may, like for example, my agency, 
you know, by the 10 year plan, three, three locations. But there was times in there where we stagnated. So there'd be times of real big growth, like the recession could stagnate you. Uh, but as long as you're going forward or aiming to go forward through the rough bits as well, you know, there's, uh, there's always a way out. Um, and just, just going back on because things come back to me, but in the recession, the key thing my mentor said to me was, when I first got to know him, was I was really struggling and I wanted to give up. And he said something to me, which stuck with me to this day. And he said, KMP, KMP, keep moving forward. KMP is coming. So keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah. I've got to get the little things right, but yeah, keep <laughs> moving forward all the time. So even if you go through hell, just keep going. And I just they keep doing that. So even if you go through a tough time, or a property deal doesn't come through, or something doesn't happen, just keep the momentum going forward. Because when you stop, is when you start negative thoughts and you start slipping back, and you lose all the progression you've made. Well, I think that's a great way. Cool. To, I think that's a great way to finish. Um, keep moving. I like that. K K M K F. Keep moving. K F. K F. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. And so. Yeah, ignore, not say ignore the hype, but plan, prioritise, prepare your yeah, organisation, yeah. keep moving forward. Jake, thanks for your time. How can people find... Yeah, so obviously with the podcast, we just share, but we, we're now doing a lot on YouTube. So at this point, this interview will go on YouTube. Obviously, we'll, we'll, time's coming. Yours probably got quicker than this. But if you go to Jay Dillon on YouTube... Subscribe, support the channel. We're doing a massive launch. We're not, we're not, YouTube's a different kind of platform, so people watch a lot, but they don't tend to subscribe, as in it's like a TV station. Mm-hmm. So we're doing a massive launch, and we're aiming to get to at least a thousand by the end of the year. We've got no promotion, we're already 152 subscribers already, which is good for our channel. But one of our interviews got about 7,000 views. So if you go on, that's great. You'll see loads of interviews with MRI and yeah, Rob obviously all be there definitely. So we've got those interviews and then just on all the social medias, Facebook, LinkedIn, just follow me. We're looking to keep building that brand. And if I can help in any way, or if you want to discuss about podcasting, drop uh, a message uh, to me through Facebook or even contact yourself. Yeah. And then more than happy to have a conversation about podcasting. Perfect. Time. So business mentor podcast, a business mentor academy. We'll put links to all that in yeah, the show notes. Yeah, appreciate that. Always do. Uh, Jay, well, congratulations again on your hundredth episode. Yeah, thank and you. Thank you for your time and for your words of wisdom. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming down. It's really great to see you. No problem. Thank you. Cheers.